Have you ever had someone ask you to do something that was a little bit crazy? You may be wondering why I'm doing the sermon from a boat. Well, it has to do with our passage today, but also it's a reminder of a time in my life when a friend of mine asked me to do something that was not very wise. Several years ago, I was in Hasifi, Brazil, and my friend invited me to go fishing with him. It was fishing in a boat not much bigger than this one, but on the ocean. Everything was fine until we got beyond the reef, past the breakers. Then the waves came in in incredible ways, and the, and the wind picked up, and it was pretty rough out there. Now, everything worked out fine, but I realized afterwards that it was very unwise for us to go out in such a small boat. We managed to catch a lot of fish together. It was a great adventure, but it wasn't very wise. In fact, it was kind of crazy. In our story today, as we examine the face-to-face encounter on the Sea of Galilee, or also known as Lake Gennesaret, Peter has an encounter with Jesus that transforms him, that changes him. And for Peter, however, that encounter, at least as it began, had to sound crazy. He, a professional fisherman, a man who'd grown up on the water, who made his livelihood along with his partners, James and John, and likely his brother, Andrew, he spent day in, day out, night after night, fishing on the Sea of Galilee. He knew where the shoals were. He knew the best places to catch fish. He knew when the weather patterns would come in and go out. He knew everything there was to know about fishing. And yet Jesus, tells him to go back out after he'd caught nothing to go back out into the water, let down his nets and catch a catch of fish. Well, Peter responds in a beautiful way that we'll look at in just a moment. But I want you to listen as we hear the scripture together to Peter's words, especially because they're very telling. In fact, they set a model for you and I in how we are to respond to the Lord when he challenges us to do something that may at first seem a little different or a little strange. He asks us to trust him. Are we willing to do that? Let's go to the scripture. We're gonna open up in Luke chapter five and we're going to again use the Luma Project to not only help us hear the word of God, but to give us a sense of what it was like for that original audience, to visually set ourselves there in that setting and get a sense of what it was like to hear Jesus speaking. Let's go to the word together. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, 
he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Isn't that an incredible story? What I want to focus in on, though, first of all, is to understand that this was not Simon Peter's first encounter with Jesus. It is the encounter that changed him. In fact, it is through this miracle and this face-to-face encounter with Jesus that he decides to be a follower, to leave his profession of fishing and to follow Jesus with all his heart and all his life. But Peter had already experienced some of the power and some of the miracles of Jesus. Just the night or perhaps a, a couple of nights before, he had seen Jesus miraculously heal his mother-in-law in his own home. Not only that, he saw many other people being brought to his home where Jesus simply spoke a word and healed them. How amazing is that? That the words of Jesus brought healing, brought restoration of life. That's what happened in his mother-in-law. Jesus simply spoke and she went from being near death to serving Jesus and Peter and the others gathered there. And that encounter certainly would have drawn Peter closer to Jesus. It would have piqued his curiosity to want to know more. But it was the encounter on the Sea of Galilee that really changed him. The reason I think it was such a significant impact on Peter's life is because it revolved around his own identity, how he saw himself. You see, for many people, the work that we do has a lot to say about who we see ourselves as, as the value and identity that we possess. Peter was a fisherman. And as a fisherman, when he had failed in his own efforts and then seen Jesus do a miracle where he had absolutely fallen down and caught nothing, it caught Peter's attention. It showed him that Jesus was a much better fisherman than he was. It showed him that Jesus was one he could place not only his career's future in, but his life future. He could place everything that he was, everything that he hoped, everything that he dreamed, and place it on Jesus Christ. That's what you and I can do as well. And from this encounter, we're going to discover some essential truths that can help us move from knowing about Jesus, from having a curiosity about who he is and what he does, to having a faith encounter with him that transforms our life. Let's look at some of the things that we can pull out of the scripture that we see in the life of Peter and from the teachings of Jesus. First of all, the call to follow Jesus Christ begins with a sense of awe at who he is. Did you see it there in the scriptures? It says all that were gathered there were astonished by what Jesus had done. The miracle catch of fish may not seem like a big deal to us, but in that culture, in that society, it was truly incredible. Teams of professional 
fishermen had gone out and caught absolutely nothing. And yet at the word of Jesus, a miraculous catch so large that they could barely bring the nets in happened. It astonished them, not so much about just the miracle, but that Jesus would do the miracle with them. One of the things that it's important to recognize is how significant this event was. Can you imagine that in a place like Galilee in the city of Capernaum, which was not a very prominent city, and amongst a people as common and ordinary as fishermen, that a famous rabbi who was able to do miracles would not only come by and teach, but invite them to be his followers, invite them into his inner circle. Can you imagine how amazing that was? Because that's what happened. Jesus, the creator of the universe, invites Peter, an ordinary fisherman, an average guy, to follow him and to be an intimate friend with him. Now, the reason that's so significant is because that's what God does for you and I through Jesus as well. He invites us into an intimate personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He wants you to know him, to spend time with him. He cares about you. He's not looking for the most successful, for the brightest. He's looking for those whose hearts are open and willing to have a relationship with him. He's looking for those who will place their trust in him and obey. And that can be all of us. Doesn't matter our background, doesn't matter our ability, doesn't matter our race or where we're from, our culture. None of those things are important. What's important is how our heart responds to Jesus. That's what we saw in Peter. So following God, following Jesus, begins with a sense of awe and wonder that the God of the universe is interested in you and in me. How incredible is that? Have you glossed over that? If so, I invite you to spend some time just thinking about how significant that is. That God is so interested in you that he's calling you right now. The fact that you're watching this right now shows me that God is speaking to your heart. He's inviting you to come into a relationship with him or to go deeper in that relationship with him. So following Jesus begins with a sense of awe and wonder at who he is. Secondly, though, we see to have an amazing, astonishing encounter with him requires that we first come to the end of ourselves. That's what happened in Peter's life. He had exhausted all of his resources. He had worked as hard as he could to bring in a catch of fish, to provide for his family and for food for his village. And nothing he did worked. So he came back to the shore empty-handed, I'm sure discouraged, disheartened. And there's Jesus who meets him at the shore, steps into his boat, invites him to come out with him, and then begins to teach people on the shore. And he's invited Peter into that circle, into that intimacy. But what's more is he goes and does a miracle and he accomplishes what Peter, with all of his effort, with all of his strength, with all of his experience, couldn't do. Our relationship with the Lord requires us to come to the end of ourselves as well. We need to recognize that our ability is so limited that there's no way we could ever come to God on our own. God had to come to us. 
And just like Jesus came to the shore of Lake Gennaraset or Sea of Galilee and met Peter, he is coming to hearts and lives of men and women today, calling them to himself. And in order for us to respond to that call, we need to say, Lord, I have nothing to bring. One of the most beautiful things that we see in this passage is, is how Peter responds to the miracle. He says, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter recognizes his own unworthiness before the Lord. He may not yet know truly who Jesus is, but he understands enough to see that there's a great gap between Jesus and him. And there's a great gap between God and us, a gap that we cannot bridge on our own. God is holy and is perfect and we're sinful. Our response to the Lord should be just like Peter's, in a sense saying, Lord, I am a sinful man, a sinful woman. I don't deserve to come in your presence. But the great news is God's come to us. He's come to welcome us into his, his family and into a relationship with him. Oftentimes what keeps us from having a relationship with God is our pride, our own self-sufficiency. And unless we come to the end of ourselves and are willing to give up control and release our life into the hands of Jesus Christ, we'll never have that relationship. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus. Maybe you've heard some things about him. You've gone to church some different times and you're wondering what this is all about. Chances are the roadblock that's keeping you from a faith encounter with Jesus is your pride. Are you willing to surrender that pride today and say, God, I don't have anything to offer, but I want you. I want to know more about who you are. The scripture is so beautiful and it tells us this. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, on the name of Jesus, will be saved. That's all God asks us to do. He doesn't ask us to work harder, to do more, to have a performance-driven life that uh, is admirable to everyone else. He simply asks us to call on Him and trust in Him. Would you be willing to do that today? If so, simply say, Jesus, would you save me? I recognize that I'm a sinful man, just like Peter as he acknowledged himself and his position there in that story in Luke chapter five. I'm not worthy to come to you on my own, but I'm trusting in what you, Lord Jesus, did for me. In your death, in your burial, in your resurrection, that's where I'm placing my trust because you are God in the flesh, come to rescue us. I don't understand what it all means, but I'm putting my trust in you and I'm asking you to teach me and to show me more and more of who you are. The promise of God's word is if we do that, he will not only save us, but he'll put his Holy Spirit within you, you'll become part of his family, and that you will begin a journey with him that lasts for all eternity, that is filled with incredible joy. I invite you to do that today. If you have questions, feel free to put in something there in the comments on Facebook or YouTube or send an email to us at the International Church of Prague. We do our best to walk alongside of you, encourage you, and get you the information you need to help you grow in that relationship. Maybe you've known Jesus for a long time. Maybe you fit in a different category. And for you, there's still somehow a distance that you feel in your relationship with the Lord. 
Could it be that your pride, your desire to be in control is keeping you from fully trusting Jesus Christ? The only way that you'll ever get past that is to surrender, is to give control up to the Lord, to the one who actually is in control. And when you do, amazing things happen, just like in the account in Luke chapter 5. You see, God is able to do far more than we can imagine, far more than we can ever think when we fully trust in Him. But in order for us to have that encounter, we've got to come to the end of ourselves and give ourselves to Jesus Christ. Thirdly, what we see in this passage is that a commitment to follow Jesus requires us to leave some things behind. In the story, Simon Peter is called by Jesus to follow him. And Jesus says to Peter, no longer will you be a fisherman of fish. Instead, I'm going to make you a fisherman of people, of souls. I'm going to give you a much more important role and significant purpose than what you have. Being a fisherman is an honorable trade. It's a good thing but I've got an even higher calling for you. No matter what our career, what kind of work that we do, God has a higher calling for each and every one of us because he wants to use us with our gifts and the abilities that he's given to us, the relationships and roles that he's called us to. He wants to use those for eternal purposes and to help draw other people into a relationship with him as well. So whatever your calling is, whatever work you do, Maybe you drive a taxi or perhaps you work in the medical field or in business. Maybe you're a clerk at a store. Whatever your work is, it's part of what God designed for you to do for His honor and glory. He wants to transform it into something that is just making a living to something that has eternal value. But in order to do that, we've got to leave some things behind. In the case of Simon Peter, he had to leave behind his boat and his nets because God was calling him to walk a different path and to do a different kind of work. For you and I, he may not call us into a different field, but he does call us to release control and to say, Lord, the work that I do is now yours. You're my boss. You're the one who's in charge. Help me to honor you and serve you with all the ability that you give me. Help me to be the best employee I can be at my company. Help me to reflect your character, your heart, and your nature to those around me. Help me to love them like you love them. And Lord, use my work to be something that points people to the hope I have in you, Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. Are you willing to put everything aside so that you can honor Jesus first in your life? If so, God will do incredible, beautiful things. And ultimately, here's the thing. God is better at your work and my work than we are. In fact, the scripture gives us some great instruction. Listen to this verse from Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Any success that we have in life ultimately is because of the gifts, the abilities, and opportunities that God has given us. He's the one who is our resource and our strength. And we need to give honor and glory back to Him and recognize He's the one who's working in us and through us. That's part of what we leave behind. 
We leave behind our pride and our reputation in order to serve Jesus. And when we do, He opens up amazing opportunities for you to use what He's given you for eternal purposes. And it's absolutely beautiful. Jesus put it another way in John chapter 15. He used the illustration of a vine and branches, of clusters of grapes that were there bearing fruit. In order for them to do it, the branches had to be connected to the vine for the life of the vine to flow through those branches and produce fruit. And he says, that's what we are to be. We're the branches. We're to abide in him, to live in him so that his life can flow through us and that our lives can then produce fruit. He goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's true. We can be busy. We can have a lot of activity, but we can't accomplish anything that lasts for eternity without Christ. The next thing that we see, to follow Christ is ultimately lived out in obedient trust. Are you obeying Jesus right now? Examine your life for a moment. Is there an area of sin that's keeping you from fellowship, from intimacy with God? Is there an area where you know you're being disobedient to the Lord? Has He called you to trust Him in an area of finances or in forgiveness or in a relationship and you just haven't quite been able to do it? That will keep you from having the relationship with God that you most deeply desire and from experiencing His presence and power in your life. In order to follow Christ, we must trust Him completely. There must be a growing sense of trust in the Lord and in what He says. What I love, what I think is perhaps the most beautiful words that occur in this passage set in Luke chapter 5 is Simon Peter's response to the Lord. After telling the Lord that he had fished all night in response to Jesus' instruction of telling him to go back out onto the water and to lower his nets for a catch, Simon Peter says something absolutely beautiful. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I will. Do you realize that ultimately is what God wants from you and I day after day? is to respond to Him, whether we understand the circumstances, whether we understand exactly what He's calling us to do, whether we think it's going to change anything, He asks us to trust Him. I'm pretty sure that Simon Peter doubted whether any fish would come up in his nets, but he was willing to trust the Lord. And as he began to trust the Lord, the Lord responded in his life. He responded to his obedience, and he saw God do an amazing, miraculous thing. Do you realize how powerful it is when it says at your word, I will? God's word is the most powerful force in all of the universe. Think about it for just a moment. At God's word, the heavens and the earth were made. God spoke everything into existence. How incredible is that? At God's word, Noah obeyed and built an ark and provided rescue for himself and his family when God sent a flood of judgment on the earth. At God's word, Moses became the deliverer, a man who was timid, who had a hard time speaking, who perhaps stuttered. He became the deliverer that led Israel out of slavery to Egypt. He became a mighty man who was humble because of his trust in the Lord and his response to God's command. 
at God's word, salvation came through Jesus Christ. We trust in who he is because he is God come to us that he might bring us to God. At God's word, we're saved. The scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. At God's word, we discover just how precious we are in his sight. Isaiah says that you are loved, you are called, you are precious in my sight, says the Lord. And then he goes and says, I am the Lord your God. He signs that word, that promise. Do you begin to see how important it is for you to know God's word? Because the only way we can obey the Lord and respond to his word is if we're spending time listening to what he says. During this time of social isolation and the quarantine, it is a perfect opportunity for you and I to develop more uh, effective disciplines spiritually, to make sure that we're spending time in God's word day after day, listening to what he says, praying and interceding on behalf of others and seeking the Lord's heart. This is a great, great opportunity to do that. And if you've never done that, or if you're having trouble um, progressing in that, please write to me. I I would love to provide some resources and tools to help you grow in your relationship with God, to help you discover just how amazing and wonderful His Word is. There may be passages that are difficult for you to understand, but there are plenty of people who've known the Lord and walked with Him for a long time at the International Church of Prague who can help you and encourage you. You just need to ask. So I invite you to do that. But make a commitment to be in God's Word. It is the most powerful thing you could ever, ever experience. But it requires us to respond, not just to listen, but to respond just as Peter did by saying, at your word, Lord, I will, I will obey. There's a little phrase that my friend, uh, Pastor Rick Ferguson, taught me many years ago, and it simply is this, obey the Spirit promptly. What God calls us to do is that when He speaks, He wants us to respond in obedience, just like Simon Peter did when he said, Lord, at your word, I will, I will obey, and he did. If you wanna grow in your relationship, It requires us to obey the Spirit quickly. To not just listen and go away unchanged, but to listen, to turn, and obey what God is telling us to do. Now, perhaps you're in a little bit different position. Maybe you've known the Lord for a while, but right now you'd say there's a distance between you and the Lord. That your relationship is is cold and God just... You're having trouble hearing his voice. Later on in Simon Peter's life, he went through a similar experience. The scriptures reveal that Simon Peter, even though he had great faith and he made the great proclamation about Jesus, you are the Christ, son of the living God, you are the Messiah, even though he believed that in his heart. When Jesus was arrested, Peter denied him three times. He was fearful, he was out of control. And so he went back to his own sinful pattern of trying to be in control. And he denied the Lord. After the Lord rose from the dead, Simon Peter certainly was changed and encouraged, but he was also beaten down. And as a result, he went back to the only thing he knew. We find in John chapter 21 
that after the resurrection, Simon Peter had gone back to his boat. He'd gone back to fishing. And there Jesus appears on the shore. And Peter sees him on the shore and he's there at a fire preparing a meal. And Simon Peter jumps out of the boat and he wades up there onto the shore and sits down beside Jesus. Now, if it was you or I, we might have some pretty strong words of rebuke for Peter if he had denied us. But Jesus simply asks Peter this question, Simon, do you love me? Peter responded and said, Lord, you know I care for you. And then Jesus did a beautiful thing. He reinforced the calling on Peter's life. He said, then feed my lambs. He had called Peter to be one who served Jesus' people, that helped nourish them and care for them and protect them. And three times, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Three times, Peter responds, Lord, you know I care for you. And then Jesus, each time, reinforces the call on his life. And he calls Peter to return to what Jesus had assigned him to do. The work that he had crafted for Peter to do. That's what God does in our life as well. And so if you've been separated from the Lord, what he asks you to do is simply turn around and come back. And he's going to ask you the same question, maybe whispered into your spirit right now. Do you love me? And then if you love him, if you have a faith relationship with him, simply answer back as honestly as you can. And then ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? How do you want me to return to my relationship with you and to the purpose for which you've created me and called me? If you do that, you'll discover that the Lord welcomes us very quickly and warmly. And he will reestablish us in his relationship. We don't lose our salvation, but we can lose our intimacy and we can lose our purpose. But God doesn't want any of that to be wasted. He invites us to come back and simply obey, to turn to him and say, Lord, as best I can, I love you. I want to honor you. Would you help me to follow you? If you'll do that, you'll discover God will do amazing things in your heart and life. So my prayer for you today is simply that. In fact, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful account of Jesus and Simon Peter here in Luke chapter 5. Well, would you help us to respond to your word in the same way, to say, I will, and to obey? But would you speak to each and every person that's watching today would you draw their heart to, to you? Would you remind them that you love them? That you've proven your love for them and giving your son for them? And Lord, I pray you just call them to yourself. Meet them right where they are. And Lord, change them. Give them hope. Restore them and strengthen them. And enable them to walk more closely with you. Lord, show us as your people, as the church, how to encourage, how to strengthen, how to admonish one another so that we may become more and more like Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in His great name. Amen.
At the beginning of the service, I challenged you to share what God is doing in your heart and life. And I want to follow up with that right now and ask you one more time to write down or use your phone or your camera to make a little video to show what God is doing in your life, what He's teaching you during this time of social isolation. Maybe you're learning things about His Word, about His character, maybe things about trust. Maybe there's fears that have been revealed in your life that you didn't know were there. Would you write down or record what God is doing and share it because we need each other. There are people just like you, just like me, that are going through the same kind of struggles. And when we see how God meets us where we are, we're encouraged. We're given the strength to be able to follow the Lord more closely. So we need one another. So I invite you to email me your videos or um, maybe something creative like a song or a painting. Uh, we've gotten several different drawings in that just reflect what God is teaching people in the midst of this journey. We'd like to share that with one another. So let me invite you to contact us. You can email me directly at drew at icprog.cz or you can visit our website and find out more contact information there or you can just write something or send something there on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you and be able to use what God is doing in your life to encourage others. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. And remember, we can place our trust in the Lord.